Anin, Migrits for coming back to the Sober Squad podcast. Today we are talking to Shandell out of Duluth, Sober Squad. The Sober Squad podcast is sponsored by the Periphery Foundation. The Periphery Foundation shares humanitarian stories, and the proceeds go back to the people and the issues featured in them. Miigwech to the Periphery Foundation. Welcome to the Sober Squad Podcast. My name is Shandell Friedman. My friends call me Deezy. Most people in Sober Squad call me Deezy. I am from Cloquet. I grew up in Cloquet on the reservation. I currently live in Duluth. I went to Cloquet High School growing up. And I'm currently going to school to be a counselor. I go to Fond du Lac Tribal and Community College. I am a peer support, a peer recovery specialist at the Thunderbird and Wren Halfway House. I've been working for our organization for almost four years. I don't have any children. I recently bought a house, which is pretty exciting. I live in my house by myself. I'm really just looking at um, continuing to focus on myself and maybe find a relationship that's going to be a healthy one for me to have a family. Um, In my free time, I like to go to meetings. I like to do fellowship after the meeting, you know, go get, go get some coffee as the traditional saying goes, or um, eat some food. And fellowship has actually led me to be kind of unhealthy with the choices that I've been making with food. And so I started drinking some packets called ketones a little over three months ago. And I was also starting this journey with doing a low carb diet. Since I started drinking ketones at the end of April, I've lost 45 pounds. And so more recently, I decided that I wanted to promote ketones. And I started my own business a little over a month ago. And it's been a real journey. The community is something similar to what I found in the recovery community. Everybody supports each other and they really want you to personally develop and so it's been a really cool journey. Oh yeah, that's great. And you know, it's um uh trailblazers like you that uh you know as as we're getting into recovery, you know, we're we're always thinking about, you know, what's the next step. We we like to think that just maintaining a, a sober or clean or who, however one wants to call it, that type of lifestyle. Um, there's always more. There's always room to grow. And I know mm-hmm. uh, with my recovery, I've been not just with the weight, but with healthy eating, feeding and treating my body right. You know, of course, you're bringing a, a new element to not just uh, a recovery community in your area, but you're showing other people in Sober Squad. Today, what, July 13th, there's still 11.9 thousand members on the main Sober Squad page. So as people see you do that, and we probably open the eyes for quite a bit of people. So I'd like to say me wish for that. All right. So what we talk about in this podcast is... Uh, the, the turning point, that point in your life where enough was enough or the rock bottom was there or sick and tired of being sick and tired. Uh, we mm-hmm. want to talk about that point. We focus in on there 
because we can go to we can go to any meeting and hear someone's life story, someone's relation. But what we want to focus on here is that turning point. How did we bring ourselves to recognize it? How did we bring ourselves mm -hmm. to identify the, the points we need to make through it? And then afterwards, how did we capitalize on, on seizing that moment in time to where this is it? All shame set aside, all depression set aside, all addiction set aside, but here's the point in my life where I'm going to move forward and I'm going to move forward differently. I had been using my drug of choice was meth and I had been using meth for five years at this point. And I literally avoided people unless they were going to feed my addiction. And I had gotten to this point where I would just go in the woods. I would use, and then I would leave those people and I would go explore in the woods. So this particular, and I had this thing for agates. So, and, and I don't know where this idea came from, uh, but I thought maybe if I put some tobacco out, I would have better luck at finding agates. And I don't think that I realized like what I was putting into to motion when I put that tobacco in my hand. And so this one particular day, I, um, I had a couple cigarettes and I didn't have anything to light the cigarette. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put all this tobacco out. And, um, I put it down and I, I just said this basic little thing, like, um, please help me find something on my path today. And I put it out. And so I was walking along this trail. It's actually a park in Duluth called the casket quarry. And it was kind of undeveloped at the time, like the trail was like overgrown. And so I'm following this trail and I'm, I'm walking up along a little stream and um, I heard a loud noise and it scared me. And I looked up and I, I seen an eagle flying away. And I was like, oh, you know, eagles kind of always meant that I was on the right path to me. But at the time, like being, being high, I was like, hmm, that's kind of weird. And so I kept walking along the path and I get to where the eagle was at and I seen a feather laying on the ground. And I was like, I, I grew up knowing that, that feathers were something that was very special and that people were gifted them, but that is really all I knew. Like, I didn't know if I could pick it up and I didn't feel at the time that because I was high, I could touch it. So I kind of just left it laying there and continued on my little journey. And a little further up the trail, I, I found what I thought was sage. Now, I don't know now if it actually was sage, but at the time I was like, this is, this is kind of weird. Like what's going on here? There's sage out here. So I, again, I just continued along my little path and I got to this spot in the trail where you could overlook the lake. And I sat down on a log and and I was like thinking to myself, like I used to have goals. I used to, I, I was in college and I stopped going to college because of my addiction. And I was really thinking about like the fulfillment that I used to have in my life before addiction. And at that moment, I just wanted to not use anymore. And, and I didn't see it as this at the time, but I really think that that was the beginning of my spiritual awakening. And I didn't get sober that day, 
but it was only a couple of weeks later that I was arrested the last time. And so again, I was looking for agates the day that I got arrested. And, um, I remember being so mad and I was in jail for a couple of weeks and they let me do STS. And, um, I just wanted one more time to go get high. And so we're getting gas with the STS van. And I was like pleading with the creator, like, okay, all right. Looking up at the sky, like, okay, this one last time, just one last time. And whenever they catch me, I'm done. And so four hours later, when they caught me, I was riding in the van or riding in the cop car on the way back to jail. And I was like, okay, I really, I really can't do this. Like, I don't, I don't know how to be a criminal. I have nobody left to support me. Everything in my life is in shambles and I, I need to do this. And, and that really was the turning point. They put me into drug court and I, I had the little bit of support that I needed the, to feel like people were rooting for me. And, and from that moment, like just having that little bit of support behind me, I felt like I had enough support to, to continue on the journey. And, and I went to Muscogee Treatment Center and, and um, I got to learn who I, who I am as an Anishinaabe person. And that really gave me that sense of purpose that I needed to, to actually start on the journey. In. Well, that, that's really, really awesome, Shendel. And I really appreciate you sharing that, uh, uh, not just with me, but with um, everybody that's going to be listening to uh, your talk here in I'm able to relate a bit to it, you know, I, I, I turned up, uh, one of my turning points was getting back into culture, I knew I had to learn language, and one of the things was, uh, am I even worthy of the language, you know, or worthy of something that great, am I even worthy to be Anishinaabe, was one, and, mm-hmm. and uh, hearing you talk about uh, that feather, and, you know, even though we look back and it causes us to think certain ways about ourselves, you were on the right path because if you weren't on that path, you wouldn't have been able to uh, be who you are today. And you're helping a lot more people on this. Unfortunate that we have to live the lives that we do to help people, but it's not about mm-hmm. us. It's about our people in general and, and generations of it. And you were able to recognize that, you know, it's really awesome. Yeah. So like at the time when I seen that feather, I I was so afraid of it. And, and like, and it was because I was high and I didn't feel worthy of being able to pick it up. Um, but I, I think about it now and I think that the creator was really trying to send me things to help me. I just didn't, I just couldn't recognize it because of the state that I was in. Yeah, that's exactly it. We're, you know, the the money dude are always trying to help us and not us to understand, but to recognize and then the understanding would come. You know, the story probably would have been a lot different today if you would have picked that up. But, you know, that must not have been what the plan was because because of what you're doing today. So... So you're um, living this life that we all can talk about. There's all these parallels with all these lives that we lived with our own special nuances. And then as people get to know Shandell, just like 
as uh, we get to know the other people of Sober Squad, all our stories are the same, but there's some very personal um, nuances about them. So we don't want to take that away. So I um, appreciate mm-hmm. you sharing uh, your turning point here. And mm-hmm. so now uh, you you cleaned up. You're, you're recognizing that this life isn't for you. There's more. Uh, you're reflecting after treatment. And as you're moving along from there, what uh, what was coming into your life or what were you adding to your life that was helping you? I went to an intensive cultural outpatient treatment um, for about nine months. And I was learning every day, you know, things about substance use disorder, but I was also learning a lot of things about culture and, and um, my identity. I was really starting to focus on like the spiritual aspect of recovery. And I, I truly think that it is the most important part. I went to treatment when I was 14 and they talked about God, but they didn't really give any explanation as to how to use God. It was more like just like a brushing the surface type of thing. So going to a cultural inpatient and then going to a cultural intensive outpatient and having all those tools available to me and having the guidance that I needed really helped me to to implement that into the my daily life. And um, and on top of that, I knew when I went to treatment when I was 14 that that like meetings were important and getting a sponsor was important, but I really didn't do it. And so this time around, I I really started going to a lot of meetings and and started working the steps and and started praying a lot and smudging and doing all of those things together and 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 two like going to mental health therapy and um really trying to find a balance to to wellness and and continuing to dig deeper and i get to about the 12th step which is um to carry the message to to addicts or alcoholics and to practice these principles in all my affairs and that's when i discover, discovered sober squad and it, it's it's funny how things work sometimes i mean it's not funny it's it's the creator working in our lives but sober squad came into my life at a point where i was ready to start carrying the message and reaching out to newcomers and i was super excited when i heard about it and found them on facebook and that main sober squad page that you referenced earlier had 1200 members in it when i found it 1200 to now um, nearing 12,000 members and um, you know it's people like you out there um, spreading the message that are, are getting uh, people to join in and it's uh, also people like us that uh, are looking for a message that are driving people to that page too so um, mm-hmm. it's very busy now uh, there's a, a lot going on and I'm glad people are still finding it useful and Back when I was 1,200 members, I remember just seeing like a couple people chatting back and forth <laughs> here and there. And yeah it's, yeah, it's funny how things happen. So you found Sober Squad. You're ready to give back. Sober Squad is there. Um, what events did you take part of in the in the early in the early days back at 1,200 Sober Squad members? So back in those days, it was kind of just like 
let's go visit other people that we're meeting on the page. And so Colin and Randy and Gary, I remember it too. Like I was super excited because Colin had called me and he was like, you're really awesome. And I was like, uh, like I didn't even know Colin at the time. So I was like, um, thank you. Uh, why though? And he was like, you could tell he had stalked my profile. He was like, you work at a treatment center and I can see that you have about a year and a half in recovery. And, um, you just seem like you're really doing it up there. And I was like, Oh, thank you. And, um, he talked about how he believed in me that I could start my own chapter of sober squad. And so the early event, the first time that I met anybody, they, they came and they showed up to, um, me telling my story at the Alano club and I was gifted a shirt and we all went out for fellowship afterwards. And, and, um, that was the beginning of it. And so I did a lot of traveling. They did a lot of traveling up here, like Malak Sober Squad would come up here and I would go down there. And, and back then it was uh, just like showing up at powwows or just hitting up different meetings and networking with people like going to Brainerd or going to Onamia and I'm going to the uh, well bridey meeting that was down there. And the more that we started to connect and, and interact with each other, then, then we started to do this planning. And um, I think I remember doing a sober squad table at the Malax powwow. And then we did a, a sober squad table at the sobriety powwow at Muscogee. Then the first thing I remember as like an actual event was the um the volleyball tournament and that's really exciting too like to to just do some fun things other than like going out to eat after a meeting like to get together and do some fun things was pretty cool oh yeah that volleyball event was great and if you're listening in today you can probably find the volleyball event if you google silver squad volleyball on uh, or look up Silver Squad Volleyball on Facebook. There's a video that was made. And if I remember correctly, LCO Silver Squad took the the championship that day. Was it that one? I think that was the second year. Okay. So looking back at uh, now, uh, let's try to talk about what part of Silver Squad impacted your journey the most what elements of it you know you're you're talking about the the camaraderie the fellowship the visiting but how did that all settle how that really impact you as a person where did that see where you can go so growing up on the reservation and not really having traditional parents raising me and, um, you know, I, I really did grow up in a, in a community where I was bullied and I just felt like I didn't belong. And, um, so to put that to the side for a second, and then to also talk about how, like, I understand that, that like AA or NA is like a world organization, like addiction is everywhere and recovery is everywhere too. There's one thing about like thinking and knowing something, but to believe it and to see it in front of you, 
is, is something different. So when I first seen the sober squad page, I was so excited that there were people on another reservation that were very isolated and they were, they were doing the same kinds of things that I was seeing. As I've seen the sober squad movement grow, I have come to understand that I belong first of all, and I have friends everywhere in the state and the surrounding states. And to see that recovery is something that we can all share together and that this really is a world thing. Like to see it unfold in front of me has probably been the biggest impact that all you need is the desire to, to live a good life and it can happen for you. And there is support out there for you. Awesome. And then now, now you're giving back. So who inspired you to, to be giving back and what are you doing today? What, what, you know, we heard Shandell for the past couple of years, but now what's going on, what's going on today now? So, um, COVID has been a real, a real hard thing to get through. Um, and, and, you know, we were starting to use Zoom before COVID to connect all of the different places that we had Sober Squad members at. And we would have our little meetings on Zoom and, And that was really cool to like connect with each other, even though we lived across the state. And so when COVID happened and we had to stop our events and we had to stop our meetings and we had to stop all of all of the stuff that that like gives us fulfillment and serenity in our recovery, all those things had to stop. And like all that was really left was was Zoom and like our belief in the creator and 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 spirituality and our medicines. So like Zoom was a thing for a while and we have an event that happens every summer. It's called Soberfest and we've had two of them and, and last summer we didn't get to have it. And so really what's happening right now is that me and, and a few other women are planning together, like getting together and talking about having talking circles and barbecues And we also want to do some fundraising stuff. We're planning a car wash. We're planning uh, end of summer bash where we can all just get together and and have fun and celebrate recovery because it's been, it's been a long time coming since coming through COVID. And all right. So we may have Soberfest 2021 in the works. Mm -hmm. All right. So, oh man. Oh, that, that one, um, I went to uh, the Silverfest, one of them, and uh, it was a really, uh, really good time. Uh, I know my kids remember it. They still, one of my younger boys, he remembers playing softball out there and just being included. You know, they could have sent the little guy to the bouncy house, but they included him in the, in the game, and he ended up pitching, and he was out there barefoot that that little guy i think he left his (laughs) shoes by the bouncy house or something but uh yeah that was a really good time and i'm glad to hear that it's um starting back up so if you're listening to this watch out for soberfest 2021 in in fond du lac so uh you just bought a house yeah you did you graduate your you graduated college i did i um i have my associates of arts and then after that, I decided to go back to school. Um, so 
this last year, I finished my human services associates of applied science degree. And so the next school year, I am going to be finishing my certificate to um, do counseling. Well, so those are some great goals. And, and you know, we, we've heard from uh, the beginning of this story here. You're just a person out there lost in the world. You know? relying on searching for agates, running away from STS crews, making your grand getaway. <laughs> and then and then now um, now you're on pursuing education, you bought a house, you're promoting a, a healthy living lifestyle. So if one were to as we wrap up here, if we're if one were to ask you um about hope, there's hope, how do you go about doing that? How would you describe that? So that's kind of a hard question. Hope is, is uh, to me, it is a spiritual principle that um, because I've made this decision, you have to make the decision for yourself. And I made the decision for myself and other people have made that decision for them, for themselves. Hope is that that moment when you, when you completely surrender to the old life and you realize that there's something greater and better for you. And I think that when we are around other people in recovery, and especially when we're doing fun stuff and, and um, hearing about how others have climbed out of addiction, it gives us hope. And, and it's, it's really that thing where we're like, okay, well, she did it. If she can do it, I can do it. And, and that's really why I continue to give it away. And I continue to, to speak when I'm asked and I continue to help people in recovery. And I hadn't anticipated like being in the helping field. A lot of my family is in the helping field. And I thought I was going to be in music and, and coming into recovery and, and working at the treatment center that I went to, like I felt purpose and, and it gives me a lot of hope knowing that that my purpose is to help other people. And, and, um, it's, it's a beautiful thing to see other people come back to life and to make that decision for, for themselves. And it, it continues to give me hope every single day. Uh, one more thing before we wrap up here, I, I know you, I remember seeing you on, uh, a news channel doing some weather in Ojibwe a few years back, which was really cool, really awesome, by the way. I know that um, that's uh, part of the programming over there at Fond du Lac Tribal mm -hmm. Community College. Uh, but you also mentioned music, and I remember you played the violin at one of the gatherings up there in Duluth. Uh, Talent Night, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you, you're up there with the violin. So um, one more thing before we go. When you're, let, let's say you're having a less than average day, less than average, whatever your average may be. Is there a certain song or a certain tune out there, whether it be music or something you just whistle or sing to yourself? What, what's something that really helps you um, get through a, a crappy day or a less than average day as far as like listening to somebody else's music there's a song by tech nine it's called levitation 
And he's talking about in the beginning, like in the intro, he's talking about how no matter what he does every day, he just gets up and he does it. And it, it reminds me of my recovery. Like not every day is going to be the greatest, but as long as I don't pick up or drink, it's been a successful day. And a cultural sense, I like to sing the bear song because I'm bear clan whenever I'm having trouble and it, it gives me some strength to sing that song that's really great that's really awesome Shandal. i really appreciate you taking the time today and uh and getting this on a schedule and uh i appreciate you sharing for everybody here look forward to seeing you at the soberfest 2021 or maybe even sooner yeah thank you thanks for having me Sober Squad Podcast is brought to you by Wangy Bamadazing Media. Like us on Facebook. Check out our website, wangybamadazingmedia.com. Wangy Bamadazing Media, Ojibwe knowledge at your fingertips. This podcast was sponsored by the Periphery Foundation. The Periphery Foundation shares humanitarian stories, and the proceeds go back to the people and the issues featured in them. One of the stories was about the Wall homeless encampment in Minneapolis. This documentary film has raised money for causes related to Native American recovery and culture, including this podcast right here, Miigwech, to the Periphery Foundation. You can learn more at the Periphery dot org.